Welcome to the We Go Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbow, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgieff, class of 2022. Today, I catch up with class of 2018's Efren Aguilar, co-founder of Artcision, an upstart and local social media marketing company. Efren will share with us how he and his best friend from elementary school are creating an exciting new marketing company from the ground up. Be sure to check out the Podbean episode page to find links to their work or go to their webpage at artcision.com or find Artcision on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Joining us from the class of 2018 is Efren Aguilar. Efren, tell us what you do. Hey guys, yeah. So my name is Efren Hagelar. Uh, I um an entrepreneur. I am an entrepreneur, a public speaker. I'm also a photographer, videographer, and um, yeah, I run my own small business with my uh, best friend since kindergarten. Ah, fantastic! And what is the name of your business? So we're called Artcision. So what we did there is we combined the words art and transition, and we made Artcision. Let's kind of rewind a little bit and uh, tell me like how how you got to the point where you're at. What did you do once you left WeGo? As soon as I left WeGo, I, I was actually attending the University of DePaul, DePaul University. And um, originally, I was planning on being a lawyer. I was very, very determined. I was enrolled in what they call a 3 plus 3 program over at DePaul. And what that means is basically, instead of four years for my bachelor's, I would have gotten it in three years. And then that fourth year would have been my first year of law school. So I was really, really excited for it. And everything was going great, except I only lasted one semester. And it wasn't because of my grades. Uh, financially, I couldn't get a certain loan I needed approved, and so I had to drop out, and that was devastating. That was one of the most devastating moments of my life, because um, because really that was my only plan. That was the only thing I knew that I wanted to do at the time. But after some reflection, after having to empty my dorm, you know, I had to go through a whole thing, and I started thinking about okay, what can I do? What 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 should I do? And you know, one obvious answer would have been you know continue school, but I started working instead. Because that was the only thing that was going to get me out of my house. And so I started working at a school. It was a K through 8. And it was called Hillside School over in Hillside, Illinois. And uh, I started working as a custodian and then slowly worked my way up to maintenance. But while I was there, I realized that I was starting to become really unhappy. And I wasn't sure why. And I had a conversation with someone. And they told me sometimes, you know, when someone feels unhappy, even if they're busy, it's because they're not doing something that truly fulfills them. So I started looking back, you know, what is it that I actually enjoy? Did I really want to be a lawyer? And I really, and looking back, I realized that throughout high school, I loved being a part of speech team. I did football. I did a bunch of stuff. I did roar, snowball, um, track and field. But I absolutely loved speech team. And it's not something easy to love. You wake up in high school. You wake up every Saturday morning, like at 5 in the morning, get dressed up in a suit, make yourself look good, get to the high school at 6, and then um, go to, get on a bus to go to a different school in order to compete 
uh, and perform, you know, some public speaking acts in front of complete strangers, get criticized, and I did that for four years. In my first three years, that was horrible. You know, I was really, really bad. But it wasn't until my fourth year, my senior year, that I really kind of just popped off. You know, I really started doing well. And I realized that it didn't make sense for me because if I was so bad at something for three years, why did I keep doing it that fourth year? And, you know, it just came down to the honest conclusion that I loved it. And so I love public speaking. I love telling stories. I love evoking emotion into people. It's something that today I can very, you know, clearly and honestly say I love it. You know, I, I'm, I'm really impassioned by it. And then what was, I'm sorry, what was the, what was your uh, category and speech team? What did you, what was your specialty? So my first year, it was actually, um, poetry. And then the next year was uh, special occasion speaking. And then finally my senior year, I did something called, no, what my junior and senior year, I did something called oratorical declamation, which is where you kind of, you grab or you take someone else's original speech and you interpret it your own way. So it's basically me retelling a speech that's been said before without copying from it, almost as making it my own, which sounds a lot easier than it is. It's actually kind of hard. But yeah, that was my, my main uh, event. What was your favorite one of, of that category? My favorite, my, what do you mean, my favorite, like, speech? But yeah, what was your favorite uh, uh, speech that you, you uh, re-envisioned as your own? Uh, Remember? Yes, I do. It's called The Wisdom of a Third Grade Dropout by Rick Rigsby. Um, I, I loved it a lot because it really, it ta- he talks about his father in it. His father was, like, the wisest man he ever met, and he was only a third grade dropout. But he was a cook, you know, serviceable, humble. And the reason I connected with it so much is because um, it reminded me exactly of my dad. My dad is also a third grade dropout. He dropped out of a school in third grade back in Mexico. And then he, a lot of the things he talked about is some a lot of the same things my dad told me about, which, you know, being serviceable, being humble, doing things for others without expecting something in return. And I, that's why I love that speech so much. That was such a, an incredible pivot that you had to uh, to deal with. You know, you went from having an expectation of becoming a lawyer and then uh, obviously having to try, try to carve out uh, a, a new path. So what was the first step once you decided that storytelling was what you wanted to head back into? What was, what was the first uh, uh, step forward uh, with that? Uh, honestly, it was just speaking up about it. Um... It's like a pretty big Midwestern thing here. I didn't know it was, but apparently it is where you kind of just drive around with friends, not doing particularly anything fun or interesting. But you just drive around and talk. And so I would drive around. I would drive around and talk with my best friend, and um, I just brought it up to him. You know, like I love storytelling, and I also love film. Like I love, you know, films in general, movies. I grew up watching a bunch of them, and they always had like a important significant significance to me. And then also, you know, a movie is a story. And so um, I just spoke up about it, and he was like, hey, man, like, I'm interested in the same things, too. And I was like, no way. So let's, <laughs> let's just, you know, let's, let's see if we can start something. Let's make something with whatever we have. And at the time, it wasn't much, but it's still, t- it's still like, that was my big first step, which is, you know, speaking up about it. Because if I never really was honest about what I wanted to do, no one was going to know. And I was never going to have the courage to do it because I hadn't even spoken up about it. I wasn't sure. And a lot of it did come from, like, it, there was insecurity in it because I was supposed to be a lawyer. You know, that was still, like, my thought. I was supposed to be a lawyer. I had two internships lined up uh, before I had to drop out. So that that part of it was still there. But, you know, fortunately, I was able to 
speak up about it with you know one of my closest friends and that's kind of where it started so you you bespoke this dream and and uh, you 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 bring in your partner in crime and you're you're starting this kind of new idea um what was the first thing that you guys made together How, what did you collaborate to make so the first ever thing we made you see i was very very scared um to move <laughs> it's like one of my uh what am i not, not a regret but it's a little embarrassing i was very scared to start why because you know i, I was afraid of um facing criticism judgment like wasn't this a guy that's supposed to be a lawyer you know that type of stuff but once we, we started about nine months after that but <laughs> we what we did was we bought we went to walmart and target we bought a bunch of bread cheese ham snacks and so it's on youtube right now um it was our first like youtube page because we have two now but uh we titled the video we titled the video a hundred meals like for the homeless so we got together in my basement recorded all the stuff you know lined up on this little table i had and um kind of almost like a vlog kind of guided to like making the meals and so the night before christmas eve i made a hundred meals in my basement i had like cousins and uncles help me out and we loaded them all up in brown bags and then the next morning we woke up really early uh, in the middle of a cold front, so it was like negative 35 degrees outside, loaded everything up in my car, drove downtown, and recorded, you know, handing out the meals to the homeless. And that was my mm. first video. Wow. And so uh, so what was the initial kind of uh, feedback once you published that video, and, and, and why did that kind of move you forward uh, from that point? It was great. Uh, we really great feedback. People loved it. People absolutely loved it. They were, you know, really, really supportive of it. You know, doing something philanthropic for our first little video, and um, yeah, it was it was really, really, really supportive from everybody all around. Um, I didn't expect that because honestly, I wasn't sure what to expect. But no, yeah, I was very supportive. But after that, I realized that I really enjoyed helping people. You know, I'm always that person to you know help out when i can like if i can if i can help somebody i will and so i, I enjoyed that and i love that but i knew it wasn't 100 percent of what i wanted to do so the next thing the next project right after that was like a short film and that's what we started working on for like the following month we worked on a short film uh and it revolved around it, it was very personal to me uh, looking back on the quality, it wasn't like prime because it was our very first video, but um, it was based around like kind of what happened to me at DePaul. You know, someone who's unhappy, doesn't know what they're doing, you know, kind of wasting days until they finally, you know, start getting their, their act together. Now, you know, you have, so you, you make, again, kind of going back to that idea of, of a pivot, you're going into a type of skill set that, you know, really does need a, a type of um, sharpening of the skills, whether or not it's filmmaking. And then not only is it just a storyboard, the story itself, dialogue, and there's a, a technical aspect, right? You have to have the editing, you have to have, you know, lighting and, and all the other components that go into that. How are you... Um, how, how are you teaching yourself uh, this? And then how, do, how did you know when you were good enough to then take this to be more commercially viable so you can uh, uh, make it a business? So it all, it all happened kind of by accident. Uh, so my, my, my colleague, my friend's name is Jose Ramirez. He also went to WeGo, graduated the same class and everything. Um, he's the one who's more on the technical side. 
he's like the like there's we call ourselves like the two man army when we were starting because I was on like the storyboard creative side you know divisions that those skill sets and he's much more on the technical side like editing sound design that's him but um that's that's kind of how we've like, you know gone about it and a lot of it the self teaching comes from YouTube honestly <laughs> like a lot of it is just from YouTube or literally just like off the top of our heads we just start experimenting but um yeah like in terms of like lighting and editing that was all through youtube um just a lot of videos people telling you like the how to's um we we live in a time where like if you don't know something it's because you kind of just don't want to learn it because everything's out there on youtube you can look up almost anything and you'll find the answers you'll find out how to do certain things bringing this all together when when do you start confronting or trying to acquire a client base who is your first customer and 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 what's that part like so it all started when for a while we still did for about six months we still did um you know short films and stuff and comedy sketches but then um my partner jose he what he did was um he started doing more actual photography you know, actual, fo- like, portrait photography with, like, models and stuff like that. And so, me, I wasn't that interested into it. I wasn't that into it. Um, and then COVID hit, obviously. So, that was a hard part as well. But when the stimulus checks came in, the first thing I did with mine was I invested in a camera. And I started realizing, okay, like, he's, he, start, he started to make, you know, on his own, individually, he started making money through photography. And so I was like, all right, like I, I want to practice this. So we started out little by little, and then we started coming up with like a plan of how to like kind of make something sustainable from it, because we agreed that well, we weren't happy like where we were. Like, yeah, there were still like you know classes at COD and everything, but our main job, like I was becoming very unhappy at my job. He was becoming very unhappy at his job, and it's like, what? How can we make sure that we're not unhappy anymore? How can we get to a point where? This is like our primary focus, and so it literally started one day. I came, okay, I went over to his house and I told him, "Hey, how about we go like downtown Naperville, downtown Wheaton, and we just start, you know, cold calling, going up to these businesses and seeing if they need like content produced for their marketing." Um, it just started off like that. It literally just started off like that. We went, we would spend our weekends going to like these different, you know, suburban neighborhoods, going to these businesses and telling them, "Hey, like." Do you need content for this? We can help you. We can make a video for you. Already using the skills that we learned from filmmaking and photography and starting to apply them into, you know, marketing. That's not easy to do what you just did there, which is to kind of put yourself out there, knock on doors and have people close doors in your face when you you know that you have so much potential to give uh, and all that. I'm sure that had some some pretty, uh, some rough hours and days uh, doing that. But ultimately, you had your first customer. Who was it and what was your project for? So our first customer was actually, it's a venue here in West Chicago called the WC Social Club. It's off of Roosevelt. And, um, yeah, so we were just sending emails at one point. We got tired because everyone would say, like, you know, uh, maybe I'll let you know. I'll let you know. And then finally we got, like, an actual no, which was almost relieving. You know, I grew up petrified <laughs> of rejection. Um, yeah. <laughs> but this, like, you want to conquer that fear and go into entrepreneurship. You'll face a lot of it. And um, 
yeah, so we just we sent an email to the owner, and all of a sudden he replied like we don't know why he had no reason to choose us, but he said yeah like come out now um, we went to our first ever job which is which is just over a year ago I got the notification last week that it was a year ago, it was for um, there's a famous YouTuber called Danny Duncan I don't know if you're familiar with him I had no idea who he was but apparently he was a, a pretty big deal people love him and. He came. He was on tour, and all he kind of does is play music and hang out with the fans and crowd surfing and throwing money at the fans. It's it's a, it's a fun time, and that place was jam packed. And the first, so he had us just cover the event, you know, record a recap of like the VIP, the performance, the people having fun. Um, and it was that that was like our first job, jo- like official job. It was, it was it was scary at first. Looking back, you know, it's no big deal now. But yeah, that was our first job, and it was kind of cool too because like their fans, like the fans I have done of Danny Duncan, uh, they were asking us if we worked for Danny Duncan. And I wasn't saying no because it brought more attention to the camera, but <laughs> that was that was like the our first job. Now, I mean, so how did you know that that felt successful? Like, so like, th- were you able to then bounce that to a second gig, uh, and and uh, and what was that like? Yeah, so we bounced it over to a second gig with the same place. Um, and I mean, for us, it being our first job, it, it felt successful because it was the first thing we were like paid for as a unit, um, which is really cool. So that second, the second job, it did bounce over. He liked our work. So the next show was a rap concert at that same place, and it was for a rapper from Brooklyn named Dave East. Um, he's pretty big as well, not as big as others, but he's pretty he's pretty out there. And we showed up not knowing what to expect. What we didn't know is that rap shows have like a long intro of artists that perform before the big artist shows up um and we were just kind of we didn't know what to expect so we were recording and taking pictures of you know artists because we weren't sure who was important who wasn't and it wasn't um that was our second job and so but during that show we met a local artist and his name is double entendre kind of like double entendre but that's like the point yeah <laughs> yeah and <laughs> Yeah, he came up to us. He came up to me, and he was like, "Hey, man, did you get any pictures or shots of me?" And I was like, "I think we did." I was like, "Yeah, man, I think I, I can check with my partner." And he was like, "Well, here's my card." We gave him my card, and then we did have some footage. We made a short little like Instagram reel for him. And after that, like people that he knew started contacting us, and and that that's where it really started to kind of grow exponentially. Was from that yeah, local I mean- artist. Networking is so important in a, a business like this. So I wonder if you can maybe kind of explain that dynamic a little bit more, which is that once you made the reel for him, how then, what would you say from a percentage standpoint, how much more busier did you get as a result of that? In a percentage, I think 100% because <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't doing much at yeah. that point. Those were our only jobs. Yeah, but, uh, people started contacting us. Like the next artist that contacted us was another local artist from St. Charles. He's like a very dear friend of ours now because we uh, we love him and appreciate him a lot. His name is he calls himself Pazzi. Um, real big, real big artist. And then uh, he invites us out to a show in the House of Blues in Chicago. Oh, wow, for free. And he's like, we did the job kind of just for free too because like we were just starting and like he just you know invited us out and we thought it was cool my 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 friend didn't know how big of a deal the house of blues was he's like oh i think it's a house of blues and i was like the house of blues and he was like yeah why and i'm like dude you don't understand what's happening <laughs> but 
um, yeah, from there we met the the artist Double Entendre again. He saw us there again, and then he invited us to another show at the Forge down in Joliet the following day. That same day, we also met another music and en- uh, sound engineer. Uh, his name is DB, well Daryl, but we call him DB for DB Records because that's the name of his studio. And it just started. That's how I started growing. And from and then he invited us to a studio. We met some more artists there. And that's how kind of we, that's how we settled like our base in terms of like the the urban side of our business, the creative side, with the artists and business and um, music videos. That's that's exciting just to see how again the the way in which networking really can just take off. I mean, obviously, the quality of your work is what allows that to happen. People who are impressed and they want to kind of have have more uh, more of that. Just from a creative standpoint, uh, with that. Did you know how to shoot live shows before you did this? Did you like? How did you know like what you were doing? Like so, uh, like and then and then once you kind of get a sense of style of how you shoot the show, how do you kind of get a sense of how you innovate from that? Yeah, um, and all honestly, like the first show that Danny Duncan show, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> my friend had an idea a little bit because he was working with somebody else for a moment. But, um, yeah, me, at least me personally, that Danny Duncan show, I wasn't sure hundred percent, you know, I had an idea cause obviously we still got the job done, but it was still like, you know, <laughs> what am I doing? But, uh, I started getting an idea as we started doing more live shows, for example, like the next day V show and then like the other concerts leading up to it and our style, like our style of shooting is really based around kind of like the clean, the cleanness of it. A lot of music videos nowadays, they have, or any kind of, like, you know, cinema videos have a lot of movement with the camera, you know, a lot of blurry vision, special effects. Um, We're not a fan of that. You know, it's cool stuff. It's always cool to see, but we're not big fans of it. We're more on, like, the actual, like, the cleanness of a shot. We want to tell a story that's legible. We want to tell a story that you can feel, not just see and get dizzy. And so that's kind of where our style comes from. We're very steady and... You know, every shot is kind of thought out and what's going to make the art, not, not only the subject look good, but tell the story in the best possible way. You, you're, you're, so when did you actually develop the name of, of your company? Uh, and when did you, what was the, what was the day that you established that? So this was at around the beginning of the year that we established that we were going to be called Artcision. Um because our, when we first started, our first YouTube channel, it was called November Productions. November without the vowels. So it was NVMBR Productions. Mm. And we realized we had to change it. Or not change it, but kind of like put that to the side. Leave it on a hiatus for now. Because that was, you know, sketches and public experiments. Um, oh, yeah. We, we also did public experiments. That's a whole big part of it, too, that helped us develop more. But... Yeah, that, we, we decided to make that name around the beginning of this year because we knew it was different. We were doing more, you know, live performance photography, portrait photography, you know, performance videos. And so we started that name around, like, February, March. And it, it took, like, weeks of brainstorming. And then we talked about it some more. And finally, we, you know, made the courage to get the LLC. Because we didn't... Anyone can get an LLC. It's not that difficult. But... For us, getting an LLC was more about, you know, going through with it, committing. Because we did not want to go down as people who had a failed business. Like, that's something we refused to have. 
We didn't just want to have something where, oh, you know, cool, I have my own business because I got the LLC. You pay 200 bucks, you get an LLC. We, we really were trying to make something impactful. When did you know, how important is it that you have such a, 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 a trusted collaborator that you have uh, with your partner uh, to be able to kind of make that leap? I mean, it seems like, you know, you just have this really uh, in- incredible trust with each other to forge forward and, and be able to, to do this. Uh, I mean, could you maybe explain that kind of um, symbiosis that you have creatively and then also in many ways uh, as just as a friend, how important that is? Oh, it's super important. Trust is incredibly insurmountable. It's, you know, you, you need trust. Um, compatibility, I think, would be second um, and being able to collaborate. But it, it's super important because if it wasn't for my, you know, my colleague, my partner, he's been my best friend since kindergarten. So that's already one thing. Um, but if it wasn't for him, like a lot of the things we're doing now, we wouldn't be able to do. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do a lot of this stuff on my own. Um, he keeps me accountable. I keep him accountable. You know, we, we support each other in that sense. And we've known each other so long and we get along so well. And, you know, it's, you know, this mutual, it's like a, it's a brotherly connection that even when we have, you know, miscommunication or there's a conflict, we can, you know, let things out, say them how they are. And we don't get upset or hold a grudge about it because we know it's never personal. We know there's the business and we know there's, you know, our friendship. But we're able to kind of have them coincide because you know it's 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 weird to explain. It's just it's it's a good time. It's not easy, but it's it's a good time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think that's an important thing to kind of pull on it as well, which is that you know at some point you you you're going to disagree with him right and i mean and you have right it's not like this is going to happen how do you work through that like specifically like how did, like so you kind of talk about like how you listen to each other but we kind of i think it's important for people to hear like like look how this is we have a disagreement and then how do you how do you move forward from that moment in that kind of uh, that that collaboration so we both the way we the way we handle things is we both you know lay out what we think and we provide the who what why, um, literally lay it out and why it makes sense and then we we listen to each other, and we do look at things as not you know my idea against your idea. It's like this is the problem. What's going to be the best solution? Forget whose idea it was. What's going to fix it? And so it's really a lot of it is really putting ego aside. Which we've done well so far. Um, you know, the, the, two, like, the fastest way to ruin something is ego and money. Mm. Um, but like ego is one of those things that we've, we've, been, we've, we've done pretty well. We continue to do well putting aside and looking at, okay, what's going to fix the problem the best? Because um, the, the, only, the, only, the only way con- the conflict really continues is ego. It's pride. You know, it's my idea. But at the end of the day, like, I'm not here because I want to do something for me. We're doing something. Our vision is greater than just us. And we know that and we accept that and we believe that. And so that's how we are able to, you know, go against these conflicts or overcome these conflicts because we know that this is much bigger than us. Uh, That is really, really well said. And if I can go back just a a company question, what are all the various different uh, services that Artcision provides? So we, we, we struggled for this for a minute to come up because we do so many things, but uh, we're a multimedia and digital marketing company. So we, we do photography and videography, um, both for like events such as weddings and birthdays and quinceañeras, as well as portrait photography, live performance photography, uh, as well as video for those type of events. 
we also do music videos um, in all the sense. Um, and then on the digital marketing side, we do, you know, we create content for companies. We also manage social media. Uh, we do SEO, which is search engine optimization. And uh, on certain occasions, we will redevelop a website, which is what we're doing right now. And we also manage Google ads for companies. Uh, and yeah, that's that's pretty much what we do. You were very generous if I should disclose this, uh, you gave me a, a sample of uh, coffee from a, um, uh, a a roaster that you're working with. Uh, maybe walk me through, like, what's that project like? Roast 808. Yeah, Roast 808. We came across Roast 808 at the, w, uh, the WC Social Club as well. A lot of things came from the WC Social Club. I will always <laughs> love that place. Um, but... Yeah, so she was working there, had her own little stand, and she came up to us because we, we pitched to the um, WC Social Club when we made our first contract, and she was there. We had no idea who she was. We just knew she was there, and I didn't pay much attention to it, but we just made our first pitch, and you know that went well, but then afterwards, she came up to us, and she was like, I don't know what it is about you guys. Um, I want you guys to look at my company and my social media, and so... But we, we, it all went well, obviously. We had a whole business proposal. It was a whole, like, spiel. But it started off just creating, you know, content for their social media, creating pictures. At first, it was just pictures, you know, like 10 picture carousels for a daily post and um, coming up with a caption. And then it just started off with that. And then we got into, like, Instagram Reels, which, like, in terms of in social media, there's a whole market, which is crazy to me. Uh, I think at the max, you can make about $1,500 per reel a month if it gets a certain amount of exposure. But it's, it just started off with that. It just started us taking pictures of coffee and then making reels of coffee, stuff that people would like and gravitate towards. And, um, yeah, that's that's kind of how it's gone. Right now we're looking at, you know, getting them. Now we're actually in the, more on the marketing side of things since we've grown ever since we started with them. And now that we do SEO and Google ads and we know how to look at these things, we're starting to create the content correct, like the correct content to get to that level, as well as, you know, SEO for the website, redesigning the website. Um, but, I mean, overall, working with Roast 808, it's great. Um, they treat us really great. And also, we've, we've gotten to co-host events with them. So networking events for other entrepreneurs or creatives um, at their warehouse, which is a really cool warehouse. They have it all decked out. And we're also like going to be at another event this month for Halloween, and it's great. It's it's been really awesome working with them with them and the coffee roaster in general because every now and then you get some free coffee. Like, how do you strike the balance between like you, you got to do the work in terms of the photography, the marketing, and and you know, and really look at the analytics that you see coming back from you uh, with the social media and all that. But you also have to be out there. Um, trying to get new business uh, at the same time so you can have you know one foot in what you're doing but one step moving forward how do you how do you organize your time so really like, a lot of our work is done orig originally well originally when we even when we started working with Rose State 08 we both still worked our regular jobs it wasn't until Ricardo quit his job about June and I quit my job at the end of August so it wasn't until then that we really were able to kind of start investing more time into it. And so right now, it's on, we're, we're right now we're at a point since it is like it's technically a startup. We don't see ourselves that way. 
but technically it is a startup. We are like our time, almost all our time is into the business. Um, typically when we get together, it, it'll be in the afternoons. Cause at that point we're all fully, we're both fully awake, but it really, for me, for me personally, like I wake up in the morning, you know, I get ready. I'm finally able to have like a morning routine, <laughs> but I make my, I do my morning routine and then I, I sit on the computer and start, you know, I'll be working on a business proposal or coming up with a storyboard for another music video or treatments for another script. And in the afternoons, I'll be having phone calls with my colleague or else, or we're like meeting together. And um, yeah, like that's, it's kind of hard. Time is split up. Sometimes like Sundays, Sundays I usually kind of leave to myself. Uh, one, cause you know, we are spending a lot of time on it. And two, you know, I love the bears, even though they're atrocious right now, but I love them. So I leave Sundays for that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how we divide our time. I'm going to cut that part out of the interview. I don't want to talk about the Bears yeah. anymore. So <laughs> <I understand. laughs> Killing me. Killing me. Uh, so the, um, yes, I, I do remember. Uh, it seems to me when I was teaching AP that we were also commiserating about the Bears uh, around that time. Although I don't remember who was the regime at that I don't know if John Fox or was that or was early Matt Nagy. John I don't Fox. remember. Uh, it was John Fox. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. Well, that was a long time ago. Yikes. So uh, as we as we, we digress, our decision. You have all these different irons uh, in the fire uh, and, and all of that. Is there one part of the company that you think that you uh, would love to see grow? more than another part it's not like you love one child more than the other but there's got to be uh one part of the company that you really feel like uh that this is the part that we're doing really well right now and really feels like it's going to take off uh what's your prediction for that um honestly it's probably like the creative side of it um the photo video the music videos i think it's looking like that might be something that could start to grow a lot more um they're both actually they're both in a really good position. Uh, the marketing side is really in a good position as well. But the reason I say the the, the creative side is because I enjoy the creative side more. I enjoy doing both parts, but you know the, you you obviously enjoy certain things more than others. Um, and so like the music video side of it, like we're working with artists. This last weekend we co-hosted a artist. It's called the Artist Harvest. It's a local artist festival. So there were vendors and it was all under like a, a canopy in a park, but people got together. And, you know, artists were performing their music and um, it was going really great. But also right now we're working with another local artist. His name is Tony Two Times. Um, and we're working, we're making a music video with him. And we, we got like the, we found the, the greatest locations for it. We found an abandoned school in Gary, Indiana. Uh, we were able to get like access to a studio where they record like other big budget films. And um, that video right now, which we didn't know until last week because we went to like a radio uh, radio interview with him, just to, like support him. And they were telling us that, you know, they're looking forward to it. <laughs> and they're like, these are people who work with, um, I think one of the hosts is Grammy nominated for writing and producing music. Mm. And they're looking forward to like seeing the video and the video right now, you know, not to like to anybody's horn here, but it's looking very clean. Like I'm very excited for it. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh. And also, like, wow. the, the other people we worked with, um, another artist, Zeus Azul. Um, yeah, Zeus Azul. He, uh, he has, like, he has, he also does, like, recording and stuff. He's connecting us to other people. Rusted 08, the owner, um, she also is connecting us to other people creatively as well as, like, the marketing side. But I think um, creatively, yeah, it's, it's looking like it's going pretty well, as well as, like, the photo shoots we're doing. Uh, it's all very, like, creative and urban and 
I'm having a lot of fun with it. So I think I think it's in a pretty good position. It's just um, it's coming together. Just a follow-up question with that. Uh, when you're looking for various different settings, you said you were able to find like an, an abandoned school and, and all of that. Uh, what's that? What's that process like? Where you're like, how, how do you how do you even know where to begin to look for the aesthetic f- uh, for that? It's networking. It's honestly yeah. networking. Um, we learned about the school. It was COVID was still around, kind of like pretty heavy. And so it happened when um, my colleague, he got invited by other photographers and models to go along to this school. And so they, they had a whole day of it. I couldn't go because I had COVID again at that time. <laughs> so I had it like twice. But that's, like, that's how we found that place. And in the studio, the artist found himself because he used it before. And so that's, that's how we really, we've really been doing it. And then one, the same day we went to the studio because there's a church scene in one of the videos we couldn't find a church, and we're like, okay, let's just, like, look up a church near around here. And we found a church about, like, 10 minutes away from the place, and we walked in. There was a security guard, and it's this big. Chicago has some really big, beautiful churches. You'd miss them if you don't see them, but they're very beautiful. They're almost hidden, but very, you know, beautiful architecture and everything. And that was just literally from a Google search, <laughs> just going, seeing if we can record. We could record, and it was, you know, that's how we were able to get those set pieces, but... Again, we would not have been able to find it if it weren't for networking. Is there anything kind of surprised you early on as you are starting a business? What has been like a like a, a pleasant surprise or a, a challenge that you didn't anticipate? Um, I mean, a pleasant surprise, I guess, was as soon as you start making connections, they kind of just start to grow. Um, networking. It's very, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's really simple, really. Um, at least for us, something that's been a really pleasant surprise, honestly, is the fact that all these connections we've made, um, a lot, of, a lot of the people we work with, um, we consider friends because they've, you know, they've been very good to us. It's been very straightforward and very open. But just the fact that just being ourselves, which might sound cliche, because you always hear that stuff anywhere, like, oh, just be yourself and everything will be fine. But people don't like to believe that stuff. It's true. It's very, very true. Um, people have told us this many times where it's just like, dude, like, I love your energy. Like, I love how like down to earth you are. And it always surprises us. Cause it's like, we weren't trying to do anything. Like I wasn't trying to, we weren't trying to be down to earth. We weren't trying to be funny or cool. They just, you know, they got along with us cause we're, we're ourselves. We're not trying to act like these big shots. We're not trying to act like we have everything figured out or that, you know, we're top dogs <laughs> in our, in our market. We're literally just showing that we have a solution and we believe this is the best solution for you. Well, Efren, this has been uh, so exciting to hear about your new venture and, you know, all the creative things that you're doing for uh, really the, the, the businesses and the community and all these other kind of creative aspirations that you have. I was wondering if you could leave current Wildcats with tip or tips for success. <sighs> okay, the biggest... <laughs> Man, looking back, honestly, take take risks. It sounds it might sound cliche too, but just take the risk. Like you might think it's the smallest thing, but you really don't know. You never truly know. Um, take the risk. Join that club. Go for the sport. Ask somebody out. Like the worst that could happen is a no. That's literally like the worst thing to happen. Like the and it might seem like the end of the world, or you're scared that the world will end if you try this and you don't succeed. Like the only thing that's the end of the world is the end of the world. <laughs> There's nothing, you know, nothing else is going to ruin it. Um, 
just like just take the risk go for it and you're better believe me like you're better off knowing than not knowing you're better off knowing that it was never gonna work out than wondering if it would have regret is one of the biggest weights you could ever carry don't do that to yourself just take the risk take the risk um who cares if something like oh i might look stupid no one cares everyone's too focused on themselves no one's gonna remember um maybe your best friend but other than that who cares um it's i wish i would have taken i wish i would have done this sooner i wish i would like thought that way sooner and saved myself a lot of pain a lot of heartache you know high school um just just go for it honestly like and believe me, if you don't succeed, there's so many of us who've tried and haven't succeeded before, but we found something better. And um, yeah. but yeah, that's 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 my word of advice. That's that's kind of like that's kind of what our decision stands for as well. We we go for you know just take the risk, take the risk, and be able to know when to act a certain way, know when to get things done, know when to have fun. It's where we we focus on combining creativity with professionalism. They don't have to be separate. Yeah, that's just that's just awesome. I just I, I love the I love the energy and the optimism and the hustle and the creativity. It's just a great combination of everything, Efren. And uh, again, we're so excited to see what Artsijin is going to do in the future. So, uh, thank you for your time today, Efren. This has been great, uh, and best of luck. Thank you, Mr. Turnbull. Well, Brian, I guess I I, I have more going to call you, Mr. Sure. Turnbull. Yeah. <laughs> great, but thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening. Help spread the word about We Go Places podcast by sharing this episode with one other wildcat. As always, find past and future episodes on Apple or Google Podcasts or any other platform. Just search We Go Vox. That's We Go V-O-X. You can also stay current by following us on Facebook at We Go Places Podcast or on Twitter at We Go Places.